Wow. Well, it is so great to see you. Um, you can be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I was putting this message together earlier uh, this week, and uh, we've been in a series from the book of First John called No Strings Attached, talking about the love of God. And over the last few weeks, we've been talking about God's great love for us. And I opened up to the passage that I had planned to preach this morning to you as I put this together a few months ago. And I got really frustrated. And I got frustrated because one of my great challenges is to have something fresh and new to say to you guys like every single week. Amen. Like I write a term paper to put a sermon together and I want to have something that's biblical and something that's helpful and something that's inspirational. And like, you know, I don't want you guys to be bored to tears. So like I, I do work pretty hard at that. And I opened up to first John chapter four and I got frustrated because when I read the verses, it sounded just like what I had preached last week. And it also sounded like what I had preached the week before and the week before that, because this is the fourth week of the series. And I thought, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? I got to have something fresh to say. And I kept reading it in the middle of my frustration. And then I realized that some things are worth repeating. Amen. Like there's some things that we should not hear enough. There's some things that just need to be said over and over and over and over again. And you know what? When we talk about the love of God, that's a message that should never get old. My wife has never told me we've been married over 20 years. Ryan, um, you told me that I looked beautiful a decade ago. I don't need to hear that anymore. You know, interestingly enough, she's just never said that. <clears throat> um, it's amazing, isn't it? Some things need to be repeated. I keep telling my kids, brush your teeth and say your prayers before bed. Why? Because some things just need to be repeated, don't they? And when things are repeated, that means that they're important. Well, John, the author of 1 John, the Apostle John, repeats more than 45 times in the book of 1 John the word love. And love is the theme of 1 John. And John talks about it over and over and over and over again. But instead of being bored with what we might have already heard, maybe we should take a fresh look at it because maybe God is saying something to us that is so significant because he keeps repeating the same message over and over and over again. Great things bear repeating. I could tell you stories of Edge Church. We're going to be celebrating our 10 year anniversary this fall, which is pretty awesome. Come on, we ought to celebrate that. And I got all kinds of stories. And if you've been to church long, you've heard my stories. You've heard some of them. And I keep repeating some of them. And they're great stories, though. Just get me started. I'd love to tell you all of the great stories of Edge Church. Get me started about my family. I love to talk about my kids and my family and my wife. You know, and, and given the opportunity, I'm sure that I repeat some of the same things over and over again because just some things need to be repeated. Well, God's love is something that needs to be repeated over and over again. I want us to look at 1 John chapter 4, and I've titled the message In the Flow of God's Love, or the Flow of God's Love, because the flow 
is the, the vantage point from which we are moving and operating. Um, the flow of God's love is, is a love mindset. It's a love mentality. It's a love perspective, if you will. God wants us to operate in the flow of his love, in the flow of his love. Now, the quest for love starts very, very early. I remember as a little bitty kid, probably in the second grade, having crushes on little girls. I just... When I was in elementary school, I just loved little girls. I mean, it was just an awesome thing. I did. I mean, I'm not embarrassed to tell you that. I just, nobody ever had to provoke that in me. You know, I was like, she's cute. You know, I always thought that. So, so I had this thing perfected. I would write girls notes. And back in the day, we used to call it, would you go with me? I don't think kids call it that anymore today, but that's what we called it. Maybe that was just where I was from, but we would write a little note. And I would tell a girl how beautiful she was, and then I would say, would you go with me? And there was like three boxes. There was yes, there was no, and anybody know what the third one was? <laughs> Maybe, come on, somebody. Everybody's like, I got those notes too. Maybe. When I got into like third or fourth grade, I wised up, and I took maybe off because I thought that it increased my odds, right? <clears throat> I had higher percentages, like there was, there was greater opportunity. Forget, is there anything worse than a person that's indecisive? I mean, how do you check Maybe. What does that mean? Okay, anyway. So the best thing was the, the friend who would deliver the note, right? You never delivered the note yourself. You, you sent the note with somebody else, right? And then the most awkward thing was if this person had talked to your friend and had accepted your invitation and had negotiated with your friend and then all of a sudden now you got to go talk to him. I mean, but you hadn't really talked to him. It was like kind of that awkwardness. But I just remember always thinking about how much fun it is to be in love, even if you're like a second grader. I mean, don't you just feel a little bit lighter? Don't you just wake up in the morning and and, 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 and maybe the sunshine just shines a little bit brighter and you just, just feel a little bit better about whatever it may be because you're in love. And how many of you know this to be true? When you're in love, you will do things that you would not do normally. Is that true? Right. You, you, you will spend money that you don't have. You will spend time doing things that make no sense. Why? Because you are simply in love. In love. Well, God wants us to be in love with him. God wrote us a note. He wrote us a note by the, by the title of 1 John. And in this note, he gave us a message about his great love for us. God has always given you an invitation. God has always loved you. And he's invited you to come and to enjoy his presence. Look with me, if you would, here in verse 8, 1 John 4, 8. Because the scriptures, first of all, tell us that God's love flows to me. Okay, God's love flows to me. Check it out. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. In other words, if you don't love, you don't know the Lord. Love is a byproduct of your faith. When you, when you love Christ, then, you, then, then love takes root in your life and you start to love people. That's how you know that you're really a, a follower of Jesus is you have love in your heart, right? It comes from God. It's a divine thing. Look at this in verse 9. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
And so it's love, 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 love all the way through this. But you know, in our culture, the term love can have a lot of different meanings, connotations, right? A lot of times when we talk about love, we talk about sex. But we can have sex and not have love. How many of you know those things don't always go together? Don't they? And sometimes people will have sex seeking love only to find out that love and sex are not always together, right? They don't always go together. Love. Love. That's a powerful thing. Love and sex are not the same. When, when God says that we have been greatly loved by him, he's talking about his pure, his unfiltered, his, 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 his perfect love for us. The word agapeo is used in the language of the New Testament. It's just a word that simply describes the love of God. And in the Greek language, they would describe love by using different words. I think there's at least four of them that I know of. One describes sexual love. Another describe God's love. Another describe like a friend or a family love. They're all different. But in the English language, we say love, and love can just mean a lot of things. Love can mean I love pizza. Love can mean I love gluten-free cuisine. Love can mean I love going shopping at the mall. Love can mean I enjoy my family. Love, love, love. But God is saying here, that his love for us is pure. His love for us is, is dynamic, it's life-changing. God's love flows through me, through the person of Jesus. And he says here that Jesus was an atoning sacrifice for our sins, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Verse 10 says, that is the message of love. The message of love is the message of the resurrection. It's the message of sending Jesus to die on the cross and to rise from the grave. Why would God do that? It was a message of love. It was love. And God's love flows to us. Uh, when I was a kid, we looked up everything in the encyclopedia. I grew up before the internet. Do we have any encyclopedia people here today? You really want to know something? Encyclopedia. I'm dating myself just a little bit. All the millennials are like, oh my gosh, you know, what, what in the world? You just didn't look online. And so I thought, I'm going to look up, I'm going to look up love in the Encyclopedia Britannica online. Come on, somebody. And I typed in love and this is what it brought up. They had an article on Shakespeare in love. Okay. I was like, not interested. They had one on Courtney love. That wasn't what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for information about Kurt Cobain. Tennis love, Aphrodite, the Greek goddess of love. Not interested. Then they had one on the emotion of love. And I thought, well, that's better than Aphrodite or Courtney love or tennis love or whatever else. So I clicked on the emotion of love. And here's what it brought up. It said, this is true. This is a true story. Some of the stuff I tell you may not be true, but this is true. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Most of it is true. <laughs> Britannica does not currently have an article on this topic. I mean, how can you not have a description of love? And I thought, I wonder if this is a microcosm or a reflection of our own culture. Everybody wants love, but maybe we don't really know what it is. 
Maybe we don't really know how to describe it because sometimes love is something you say to get something that you want or love is like a touchy-feely feeling. But you know, love is not a feeling. Love is a commitment and when we have a commitment, then the feelings follow that. But love is not just a feeling. So even describing love is confusing. Even understanding love is multifaceted. And even the writers of the Encyclopedia Britannica couldn't even tell us, what is it? Well, God has told us. I think we need the wisdom of Scripture to really understand the answer to love. And he says that love is not that we love God, but it's that God loved us. That's what love is. And love has flowed to us in the person of Jesus. Now, notice he says there in verse 8, God is love. It's one thing to say that God loves. It's another thing to say God is love, right? I mean, we can all check a box and do something, right? Ryan is this, or there's a difference between that and Ryan does that. God is love. You cannot separate love from God. You cannot pull love out of the equation when it comes to God because God is, he's love. Yeah, God is love. So God is who he is. Love is who he is, not what he does. It's a big difference. Um, if you look here, um, John Piper has a great quote about this. He says, um, love is from God the way that heat is from fire or the way that light is from the sun. Love belongs to God's nature. It's woven into who he is. It's part of what it, he, it means to be God. The sun gives light because it is light and fire gives heat because it is heat. God is love. That's who God is. You, you cannot understand or comprehend God if you pull love out of our understanding and out of the equation. God is love. And so everything that God does is a manifestation of his love. I mean, even when God corrects us, that's an expression of love. Amen? We don't like that kind of love, but, but that is love. When God encourages us, that's love. When God blesses us, when God gives us wisdom or whatever it may be, that is love. That is love. So we shouldn't just focus, though, on one attribute of God. God certainly is multidimensional. I mean, there's, God is so profound, there's not even one word that can describe all that God is. God is love. That's a huge part of who God is. But God is also just. And in our culture, sometimes people want to overplay the love to the exclusion of the other characteristics of God. We have to understand God in the totality of who he is. But for our time this morning, God is love. And the love of God flows to us through the person of Jesus. Through the person of Jesus. Man, that's who he is. He just flows to us. And I love verse 9 because it goes on and it says this, I can live through him. Did you know that the Christian life is not what, what you can do in and through yourself, it's what Christ can do through you. There's a big difference. If we try to live out our spiritual life just by our own efforts and our own capacities, we'll have about that much impact. But if the life of Jesus through the love of God takes root in your life, then all of a sudden you have new appetites, you got new desires, you got a new mentality, you got a new mindset, you got a new attitude, you got a new whatever it may be, and love is taking root in your life. The love of God flows 
flows to us. I can live through him. I can live through him. It's not me trying to live like Christ on my own. It's the life of Jesus. How many of you know this to be true? When you met Christ, when you met the Lord, like you got a new mentality, right? You got a new attitude. Anybody like you got, you got a, a new spirit about you. you. You got a new perspective, right? You used to think this way and now you think you're not the same. It's the life of Jesus through you. Remember that, man, as you're trying to honor God and Sometimes we can look at the commandments and the teachings of Jesus, the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount and go, man, that's overwhelming. I could never do that. You know what? On your own capacity, you're exactly right. But living through the, the power of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the life of Jesus in us, man, we, we can accomplish all kinds of things. And he says here, I can live through him. Jeremiah, the prophet said, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have continued to extend faithful love to you. A lot of people think that their spiritual problems would go away if they could just love God more. And that's a great thing. We ought to love God more. But I think the real foundation to love is not us loving God more. It's understanding how much God really loved us. <laughs> because the love that God has for us is mind-blowing. I mean, it, 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 it's profound. It's amazing. It exceeds our capacity. And I don't even know if in this room or maybe just even in our culture or in the world, if we really get how much God loves us. I'm not sure if I get it all the time, how much God really loves me. God loves you. He loves you. And so the Christian life is lived out of gratitude for what God has done. We're not trying to earn the favor of God. We're grateful that we've been redeemed by grace and mercy and we're thankful and love flows from us as a result of that. It's the life of Christ in us. In Luke chapter 15, there's three stories that describe the love of God. A lost coin, a lost sheep, and a lost son. And in the story of the lost sheep, um, Jesus tells a story about a shepherd who leaves the 99 to go find the one. And that all is a reflection, an illustration of the love of God. That's how much God loves you. I mean, you are, listen, you may not have anybody else on this planet that is standing with you. You may not feel loved by anybody, but God loves you. God loves you. That's pretty profound. God loves you. We need to remember how much God loves us. You are greatly loved by God. Greatly loved. And in verse 10, he says, Jesus is his only son. I mean, Jesus is the atoning sacrifice. There is no one like Christ. No one like Christ. There was a debate on ESPN last football season about if Tom Brady was the greatest of all time, the GOAT, the greatest quarterback of all time, the GOAT. I love that term, the GOAT. I started thinking about it. Jesus is the GOAT. Yeah, I know he's the lamb. Yeah, he is the lamb, but he's also the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. There is no one like Jesus. There's nobody like him. Nobody can even touch what he's done. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Well, the love of God flows to us, but check this out. It also flows through us. The love of God is not something that we should hoard or that we should just hang on to for ourselves. The love of God is to be shared. Uh, you're a river, not a reservoir. 
God is, God is pouring out His love in your life, and that love is to flow. And listen, the more that the love of God flows in your life, the more that God will fill you up. So let it flow, man. Just let it flow. The flow of God's love. Let it flow. Let it flow. It's amazing. The love of God is something to share and not to save. And, you know, they say when water gets stagnant is when it gets still. A few years ago, uh, we were going out of town. I drank a quick drink of water. I left half of the glass full of water on the cabinet, um, went out of town for a week, came back. When I got home, I was like, oh, I'm thirsty. And I drank that water that had been sitting there for a week. That's disgusting, isn't it? That's gross. Well, not too long afterwards, they did some blood work on me. And the doctor said, Ryan, you have parasites in your body. I was like, that is awful. Like, how in the world could I have gotten parasites? And so as I talked to the doctor, it occurred to me that I had drank that contaminated water and I got funky stuff all in my body. That's awful, isn't it? That's terrible. Woo. Yeah. I think the love of God is something that can stagnate like water. If we just hoard it for ourselves, it'll lose its potency. But when we let the love of God flow, it's like a river. It keeps it fresh. The way that water stays fresh is it keeps moving. When water settles, it becomes old and nasty. Let's don't let the love of God reside in our hearts without flowing. It should have a rhythm to it, flowing. Flowing, flowing. God pours it in. We pour it out by loving others. Look at this in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. So <clears throat> this is the evidence that we really have faith. Here's the test. Do you love people? Do you have love in your heart? If you have hate in your heart, then he says, you, you don't even know the Lord. You don't know God. In verse 11, he says, dear friends, since God loved us so much, we surely ought to love each other. I mean, like, duh, like, come on, common sense. I mean, God loved us this much. We ought to love others. That ought to be the normal outcome of that. Verse 12, no one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. And I love that phrase, full expression in us. When we begin to pour out the love of God, God's love brings full expression. Isn't that beautiful? We ought to love people. We ought to love people. This is the love test. Uh, you know, every relationship, every, every business, every family, every church has a culture. And a culture is the the norms, it's the way people interact with each other. Sometimes it's not necessarily written down, but everybody knows the code. Amen? It's a culture. Your family has a culture. Right? How do we handle conflict? Do we yell and scream at each other? Do we sit down and hold hands and talk about it? I mean, what do we do? Every, everybody's different. Every family has a culture. Businesses have a culture. Some of you work in a job and the culture is driving you crazy. <laughs> You're like, why is this so difficult? There's a culture that's there. The culture of a Christian should always be love. 
That should be the, the, the main characteristic of the way that we interact with people. It doesn't mean we don't deal with difficult people and we don't get frustrated and, and discouraged at times. Yeah, all that's going to happen. But love should be the general characteristic. It should be the culture of our homes, of our families, and of our businesses. Love. Do we have a love culture? That's what we need. We need a love culture. A love culture. A love culture. And, and God will judge us accordingly. In 1 Corinthians 13, 1, he says, If I speak uh, he, human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. In other words, nothing matters if I don't have love. Intelligence doesn't matter if I don't have love. Good looks don't matter if I don't have love. Achievements, <laughs> they don't matter if I don't have love. Love, love, love. 1 Corinthians 13 is the great love chapter. Basically says, love, let love rule. Let, let love be the center of all that we do. That's what it is. And love is that commitment and that choice. Listen, if you operate in love, you will stand out in the world. You really will. You'll be different. I had a neighbor stop me uh, a, a year or two ago, and he was like, he was like, Man, there's something different about you, man. Like, what's, who are you? You know, it's like, what's going on with you, you know? And uh, I was like, wow, you know? I mean, that was kind of interesting, you know? I, 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 I was like, I don't know, you know? But then I was like, you know what? I got the love of Christ in my life. And this guy had no idea what that was. And what he was seeing was the Christ. It wasn't just because I'm such a great guy. What he was seeing was the Christ in me. You know, we always need to give glory to God for what he's done in us instead of taking the, the praise for ourselves, right? The, the goal is not that people look at us and go, man, what a great guy. The goal is that people look at us and go, man, what a great savior, right? And when you love people and when you serve people and you have an attitude of love, you will stand out in the world. People will look at you and they'll be so, they'll be so confused who are, what, what are you? Where are you from, man? What's wrong? You know, checking it out. It's the love of Christ that's in us. The love of God flows to us and through us. To us and through us. Let's do it. We can let the love of God flow through us by encouraging others. Amen. Whenever I feel like a holy, you know, nudge or sometimes it's not even holy, but sometimes just like a prompting, like I need to encourage somebody. I just take that as a, opportunity that the Holy Spirit is opening before me to encourage somebody showing love when you show empathy and concern for somebody you're showing love you're letting God's love flow through you through you um, bringing people to church we've got Easter services coming up in two weeks guess what guys we have an opportunity to show the love of God I'm bringing people to church that's an act of love. I want you to hear about how great Jesus is. That's an act of love. All of us ought to be bringing people and letting people hear this great message of love. It is an act of love. Going the extra mile, doing things for people that are beyond the norm. You can't do that for everybody, but who could you do it for? It's an act of love. It's an act of love. It's not being fake. It's not putting on some mask of, you know, trying to be something that you're not. But, but it is just simply showing love. And I'll tell you, building a community here at Edge Church that is built on love is the most challenging thing that I've ever done. 
I mean, that is a tough thing because you got people, right? You got all kinds of folks and building a community that's built on love is a challenge. And yet at the same time, it's the most rewarding endeavor we could ever be a part of. I mean, this is a house of love. You come in this building and you meet these people and people are encouraging you and blessing you. You're in the environment of love. It's an awesome thing. We need that in our culture. We need that in our city. We need a place where people can come and feel loved. That's what Edge Church is all about. And people haven't seen God, but they see us every day. And you might be the only Jesus that anybody ever sees. So let's let the love of God flow through us so that people can see the God that they've never seen. Amen? That's the way we do it. We just do it through love. We do it. The more that we flow out, the more God will fill us up. We do this by learning. You know, we ought to be a student of love. We ought to memorize scripture on love. We ought to be looking for opportunities to show love to people. We ought to think about love. I mean, I wake up in the morning sometimes and I'm like, God, who can I love today? You know, who can I encourage? Who can I bless today, Lord? We ought to be thinking about that. Who can I love on? Find examples of love, practicing love. I mean, it's one thing to talk about love. It's one thing to preach about love. It's another thing to do love, right? Just to do it. Practice it. The more we show love to people, the easier it becomes. It's like I got my fifth grade basketball team. We're having our season opener late this afternoon. Anybody excited about that? Oh, I got the team ready. I got the team ready. I had a sermon for you guys. I got a sermon for the kids this afternoon. It's going to be awesome. But I have them working on certain drills and skill development, dribbling the basketball, shooting the ball. Why do we do that? Because the more that you shoot, the better shooter you become, right? The more you dribble, the better dribbler that you become. You become a better basketball player, right? Because you're, you're, you're practicing. And the things that we practice on hopefully happen in the game. Listen, the things that you practice on in love will happen in the game. That's, that's God's ambition for your life. So we ought to be practicing love so that we, when we get into the game, we can perform at the highest level, the highest standards. This is what God has called us to do and, and what he's expected of us. Um, it's an amazing thing. And you know what? When love takes root in your heart, you'll do things you would not do normally. I had a college buddy that lived in the dormitory my freshman year across the hallway from me. And he had a girlfriend that lived six hours away, like in his hometown. And so he would go home and visit his parents, you know, and uh, he would drive back just in time for the eight o'clock class on Monday morning. Is that incredible? I mean, he would leave like at 2 a.m. or 1.30 a.m., just enough time to get back to the university to get his you know, notebooks or whatever and go to the eight o'clock class. And I'm like, you're crazy. Why are you doing that? You need to sleep, man. What's the deal? Didn't make any sense. But you know what? When you're in love, you do things that don't make sense. You do things that are not logical. I want to challenge you this week to lose your mind. Does that sound like a good idea? I mean, I want you to do something in the name of Jesus because love has taken root in your heart that makes no sense. That's how you know you're in love. 
When you spend time, when you spend energy, sometimes when you spend money, when you do things that you're like, okay, that's foolish, okay? Everybody else is gonna think I'm crazy. You're not crazy, you're in love. That's what it is. And God sent his son so that we could live a life of love. The love of God flows to us and the love of God flows through us. We're not gonna hoard all of this great love. We don't want to hoard the message of the gospel. We want as many people to hear about the love of God as possible. Because you know what? Some things need to be repeated. Some things need to be said over and over and over. And I want you to know today, God loves you. God loves you. And because God loves you, his love flows to you and his love flows through you. God loves you. Let's bow together for a word of prayer.